0: All right, guys, welcome back to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. It's been a couple of weeks since we've done an episode, so I'm happy to be back. I am your host, David Dodge, and today I have a special guest, Josh Ferrari out of Mobile, Alabama, and this guy is hitting the ground running, doing some amazing things. I'm honored to have you on the show today, Josh. How are you doing today, buddy?
1: Good, man. Glad to be on this show. Excited. uh, Excited to talk about whatever it is that whatever direction you want to take it.
0: Well, I'm actually really fascinated with you. man. You are 24 years old down in Mobile, Alabama, and you've built quite the business and you've only been doing this for how long?
1: A little over three years.
0: Over three years, man. I mean, that's that's really not that long at all. I'm impressed. So Josh, tell me a little bit about yourself, man.
1: Yeah. So I, uh, my day job, my W two job, which I still work is an aircraft technician, uh, turning wrenches, fixing airplanes, mainly wide body aircraft, um, for some larger airliners and freighters like UPS, American airlines, FedEx. And that's, what, that, Josh? we're still doing that. So no doing, way. That's cool, man. I, so,
0: I got my license about 10 years ago. I'm just flying little tiny
1: single engines and stuff just for fun. Oh, you get your pilot's license. See, I don't have my pilot's license. I just fix planes. Hey, I like it though. <laughs> <man>. <laughs> you know?
0: That's cool. I love it.
1: I want to get my pilot's license. That, that hasn't quite happened yet. But but anyway, back in college, uh, when I was deciding what I wanted to do, I went with the AMP the Way, Airframe and Power Plant. Graduated that back in 2017. Summer of 2017, moved from Memphis, Tennessee, where my family's from, down here to Mobile, Alabama. Lived here for about six months, had just recently gotten married. And then my dad calls me up one day on some random midweek night in January of 2018, tells me that he's got some news to tell my wife and I. I'm like, well, this is just weird. You know, how are you going to start the conversation off with? We got some news to tell you, you know, like, it sounds like it's about to be horrible. And he says, your mom and I are about to spend $40,000 on this course. That's going to teach us everything we need to know on how to flip houses. I'm like, what the heck? 40 grand. Like, I know you guys aren't independently wealthy. Where's the money coming from? Why this course? Why now? Why really? This is about three years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I had so, so many questions and the conversation ended up being about four hours long. At the end of it, the idea of real estate was kind of, was peaked, had was now in my head. And I was like, okay, this is something that I could seriously do. You know, I was 21 at the time. I could really do this. I could really get out of this W2, even though I just started it six months ago and live a more, a life filled with freedom, basically. Kind of what a lot of people are chasing when they're investing in real estate. And so we ended up getting into wholesaling at first. I probably read 40 books that year, which is more books than I'd ever read in my entire 21 years of existence. I was going to three different local real estate meetups. I was listening to all the podcasts I could get a hold of, Bigger Pockets, and everything else. Sounds like you
0: fully immersed yourself in it, which is what I it takes.
1: definitely was people, trying to.
0: Yeah, the people that are that are here today that have, have had any history at all, you know, versus those who aren't are the people that fully immerse themselves and they don't treat it as a hobby. That's they jump right in full, full time.
1: Love it. Tried to go all in and it's one of the local meetups that I went to the speaker, the leader, said that wholesaling was the best way for newbie investors to get in. And then, you know, there's low risk. You didn't have to get approved for loans. You didn't have to have any money. A lot of the things that I was like, okay, it'd be kind of cool. Get a baseline level of knowledge, get a little bit of money on a couple of assignment fees. So we tried it, did it for about five, six months, spent money on marketing. Meanwhile, didn't close a single deal. Um, I'm sure we just weren't marketing correctly or we weren't marketing to our buyers correctly or uh, the deal sucked or I don't know, but we didn't close anything. So we thought, okay, this isn't really what we want to do anyway, so we might as well go ahead and pivot to the buy and hold strategy because we want the passive income. At the end of the day, that's really what we're striving for. So about right. two months later, we bought a fourplex. We house hacked it, and I tell people we quote unquote syndicated it. It's really before I knew what syndication was. All I knew was that everyone and their mom told me that if you don't use other people's money, then you won't really get far in this business. I was like, well... I don't really have any money anyway to buy this fourplex. So using someone else's money sounds like a great idea. So I remember that conversation I had with my dad, called him up and he was like, sure. Basically gave me the money for the down payment. We did like a handshake deal for the equity and that was it. That was the beginning intro to my investing in real estate as a whole, but also in what you could say is syndication and then house hacking. So through that experience, the fourplex... It ended up becoming a living nightmare. It took like a year and a half to renovate when it was only supposed to take six months. I ended up having to do basically everything all the way from the foundation to the roof. And that was not the intent. I didn't know how to do any of that stuff, but I figured if I could fix an airplane, I can fix a house. Can't be that difficult. So I just started grinding because we kept running across issues with the loan program that we were using and the house that we had bought, which is a hundred years old. So, I base, basically buying problems. Um, but then, fast forward six months into having bought that, and I was continuing to educate myself and learn more about multifamily. Because even though this particular deal was somewhat of a catastrophe, even though we didn't lose money on that deal, thankfully, we actually went full cycle with it in January and we made like two grand, <laughs> but we didn't lose any money. So, thank you. Lose that. money.
0: That's the main thing.
1: But the experience was, phenomenal so even though we things weren't going according to plan with the fourplex I knew I liked having more than one unit under one roof I knew that that was the way to do it if I was going to really grow wealth and grow wealth much quicker than taking a decade or so Mm -hmm. so I remember stumbling upon syndication thought oh this is interesting so I Went to our local real estate meetup that month where the get there was a guest speaker coming to speak from Pensacola over to Mobile to talk exactly on multifamily syndication and he had been in the game for like ten years he had like twelve hundred units at the time I'm like man this guy really knows what he's talking about I want to hear what he has to say to so go to the meetup meetup ends and I remember just being like in awe like starstruck dumbfounded at, like okay this. Uh, this is officially solidified everything you know this is what I need to do 100% this sounds amazing every possible strategy imaginable can is like you know out the window this is what I want to do so I remember talking to the speaker afterwards found out we both had aviation in common that's kind of how we clicked then from there I took him out to lunch the following week he's kind of been my mentor ever since so fast forward to today uh, now have two business partners. We've since closed a twenty-one unit single-family portfolio, a forty-two unit apartment community, thirty-four unit apartment community, a single-family luxury flip, just kind of a one-off, um, and then we've got another one hundred and forty-eight units under contract, and then another eighty-eight units under contract with another four five hundred under contract already. Eh? With about another four to five hundred units worth of LOIs out, and we're trying to hit a thousand units this year in twenty twenty-one. Man, I love it. You guys are
0: blowing up. So, when did you really start buying aggressively?
1: We didn't actually close our first multi-family syndication until December thirtieth, twenty twenty. So it's been what four? Not just barely over, not even four months, and we've closed ninety-one units and have another two hundred thirty-six under contract. Man, you
0: guys hit the ground running. Love it. <clears throat> so, Josh, share with us the um, the way you're doing this. You're you're, you're syndicating. Explain to the audience right. what that means. What does syndicate mean?
1: Syndication, in its purest form or its most basic form, is pooling together some kind of resource, which in this instance is capital, uh, from a group of individuals to buy an asset that will produce any, a desired result, produce a result that everyone wants. So in this instance, we're pooling money together from uh, passive investors that don't wanna be active in real estate, but they want the benefits of owning real estate. And so they're basically paying an individual such as myself to syndicate it, who has the experience, the knowledge, the know-how, and the time, the connections, everything else, to do so, uh, the deal flow and everything, and in exchange, we are all able to take down these larger assets together because we're pooling our funds together. Whereas if it was just myself or just myself and my business partner, it'd be much harder to buy a multimillion dollar property than it is when you really bring a bunch of people in. And then the fact that you've now got this bigger deal, everyone gets a larger slice of the pie and everyone gets to enjoy the benefits of this of this larger deal, That's basically. perfect. I love it, man.
0: Thank you for explaining that. That was a great explanation. So, a um, couple questions: Wh- Where are you finding the partners, the investors, to to to, to do the syndication? And then on the flip side, is once you get the the people and the money on board, where do you find the deal, or is the, is the order reversed?
1: So, I think you do need to have some kind of. Relationship with people that have capital before you really go searching for deals because yeah, you will hear you will typically and you will hear a lot in the syndication space or the multifamily space that if you get a great deal, the money's going to come. You know, the money's just going to the floodgates are going to open and folks are just going to start throwing money at you. No one's throwing a dime at you, no one is right. interested <laughs> in you or your way. Has
0: anybody ever thrown money, right? At you? Right, Right.
1: because they don't know you. They don't know what you do. They don't know if you're even any good at syndicating. You could have the best deal on the market that no one else has like access to and no one's going to invest with you and you're not going to be able to raise any money because you haven't built any relationships and then you're stuck to this, you know, 30, 45, 60 day timeframe to close and it's just not going to happen. So I think you definitely need to have those connections and those relationships with investors before finding the deal. But it's also a catch twenty two because if you've never invested before, then they're like, well, you know, why would I invest with you? You've never done anything before. Where's your track record? So there's some things and some workarounds that you can do there. A lot, a lot of that is comes from mm-hmm. friends and family. That was what really I had to do to get myself bootstrapped up off this. And I was also able to pull some credibility from my partner,
0: mm-hmm. who
1: had been in the the real estate space, not the multifamily space, but the real estate game for about a decade when we met. And so I was able to use his track record and his experience to be like, Hey, look, I'm partnering with this guy. I know I haven't done a deal this size before uh, and he necessarily hasn't either, but we've had significant, he's had, you know, a decade worth of success and here's a bunch of the deals he's done. And here's what that looks like. Here's some, you know, referrals from some investors. And I was really able to leverage that for credibility, but to answer your question, deals, we are finding all of our deals from brokers. We actually did find one deal from my mentor. Which was an amazing deal, um, and thank goodness it was actually our first deal, our first syndication. The forty. Who's know. the mentor too? Is it
0: somebody national or is it a local person?
1: No, it was a very organic relationship. It was not someone that I paid for. So his name's just Jeremy Hands. Uh, he lives down here in Pensacola, Florida, and I just gave him a shout out. So maybe people will reach out to him and be like, "I want to, I, <laughs> I need a mentor." I don't know. Hopefully, I didn't screw him over there, but. Uh, He's been great. And it's been more of a mentorship from a QA and a standpoint, more so than a here's here's deals, here's money, here's capital, here's connections, here's relationships, here's brokers. Like it's basically none of that. It's just, hey, I've got this question. How do you do this? What are you guys doing about this? What do you think I should do about marketing? What do you think I should do about finding this or doing this? And he tells me what he does and then he gives me advice on what I should do based on my current situation. Nice. So that's really how that mentorship has been. And we decided that we were going to find all of our deal flow from brokers because we thought about it and would we rather create thousands of relationships with all these different sellers across the markets that we're interested in and try to do a ton of different touches with them before they ever give us a deal. And maybe we'll get lucky and get this unicorn deal, or would we rather create really strong connections with like three or four high level brokers and their whole job, they're doing everything you just yeah, day in and day out is to make connections and find me good deals. So we decided the broker route was the way we were going to go. It really played a part in uh, the lifestyle we wanted to live as well as the business that we were trying to grow and create. So we decided to go through brokers, but to finish the, to go back full circle and finish the answer to this, this two-sided question <laughs> On the investor side, I've actually raised all the money I've ever raised from social media. Uh, I actually did a 30 day money raising challenge in July of last year in 2020, during the peak of COVID uh, and was able to go from only having raised about $100, $150,000 in my, what was then two year journey to raising $6 million in 30 days. And so at that point, I really found out that social media was extremely powerful and that there was something I was missing. There was something that I had then realized of how many people do I know that had been in my inner circle for a while that had no idea what I was doing and I haven't been explaining anything and I haven't because I hated social media before that challenge. I finished that challenge. With the six million, and was like, I've got to be on social media more. You know, even, even if I'm just talking about utter and complete randomness, or I'm just talking about how my dog took a dump on my face last night while I was sleeping. You know, the, the randomest, most crazy thing. You'd be surprised how interested folks become in you when you've got this when they've got this emotional connection to your story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, all the money we've raised from, or me personally, has been primarily from social media.
0: Wow, that's very impressive. I have not heard that in the in the past on uh, about it being you know directly or specifically from social media with the uh, with the other guys that do syndication. I love it, man. You're hitting the ground running, and uh, you guys are doing awesome, Josh. That's great. So, what's next for you? Are you going to just keep growing? What's the goal? How big are you trying to get? And um, are you going to do this part time until you no longer need to fix? airplanes or are you doing that? Do you, or do you like doing that? Is that something that you are going to continue to do even in once you get into the, you know, thousands of units?
1: I enjoy turning wrenches. You could say it's, I'm not like miserable when I go to work, Mm -hmm. but I definitely do not want to do that long-term. I want to work for myself. I want to go full-time in this business. I want to grow it. I want to continue outsourcing things. I want to have more time to be an amazing husband and an amazing father. Uh, answer, man. Family for me is more important than anything. So that is the direction I've been headed in ever since I was only two months into the marriage, you know, Mm -hmm. back in in January of that year. So to answer your question where we're headed this year, specifically, we're trying to hit a thousand units uh, and primarily the purpose for trying to reach that is so that we can quit myself, my wife, and one of my partners can quit our W-2s and go full-time in our syndication business and really get it up off the ground and start, you know, hitting the ground running. But our three-year outlook, uh, what what we call our vivid vision for where we're headed as a company is actually right here on the wall. Um, And we're trying to hit a million dollars in assets under management in the next, by December 31st of 2023, trying to hit a million dollars and trying to get, you know, thousands, you know, thousands of units up to that point. I don't know what that's going to look like. We're more looking at it from a financial perspective than a unit count, but hundred million dollars and we're trying to make an impact, um, which I think a lot of people say that they're trying to do or say that they, that they want to do, but we really want to give back. We want to be able to give a hundred thousand dollars that year away to charity. We want to take the whole team to a, a lower, I'm trying to think of the, the correct verbiage to use an underprivileged city uh, in the United States. We did not want to go to a third world country or do anything crazy. We wanted to stay inside the U S and help (coughs) uh, help Americans from that perspective. Uh, So we wanted to take the whole team to do that. And we really want to create a company culture of, of fun, (laughs) of adventure, of creativity, of, happiness, family, Mm -hmm. generosity. Uh, And from a lot of those things, we've got a lot of things that we're striving for as far as doing a 30-hour work week instead of a 40-hour work week. One day a week has to be uh, a day of fun, has to be a day that is going to re-energize you, make you, you know, you're either going to be bonding with the team if you're local or if you're not local, you can go out with the family, you can read a book, you can go kayaking, fishing, boating, Hiking, mountain climbing, it doesn't matter. Whatever you enjoy doing that like really re-energizes you, that's that's the intent there. So we're really trying to create a, a company culture of, like what I said, generosity and that's it. I mean, that's if you actually want to read the whole Vivid Vision, it's actually on our website. No,
0: I see it on the wall behind you. That's really cool, man. It's, it's a lot of vision. I like it. It's a lot. It's a, it's, but you guys have some really good goals. So what are the, um, so we talked about the goals. Let's talk just briefly. What's the plan? How are you guys going to get to a thousand units this year and, and then take this thing on to, you know, to the, out to the moon for the most part,
1: what's the plan? That's a good question. Primarily. I think this business is massively network-based um, you know, with your net, it's the cheesy cliche saying of your network is your net worth,
0: mm-hmm. uh, but
1: it's so true. So we're just continuing to try to meet folks. I'm kind of head of marketing, head of investor relations in the company. Mm-hmm. So I'm very heavy in social media. We I've got doing all the back end CRM work, handling the investor portal, raising the majority of the money for the deals we've got and handling a little bit on the acquisition side from the relationships that I build with other brokers and markets that we're interested in. So the goal for us this year to really hit a thousand, you know, we've got the 91 now plus the 236. That's what three, I'm horrible at math in my head, 350. I don't know, something like that. So to reach the rest of the way, the, the basic goal is to get, you know, 250 units every quarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then with that, we should be able to hit that thousand unit goal. Um, And so the way that we're actually going to get there with the 148 we have is the biggest deal we've done to date. And so we didn't actually meet net worth and liquidity on that. But if we didn't have the relationships and the connections that we did at the time when that deal came about, we might've just had to pass on the deal because we wouldn't have had the connections or the ability to close on it. But we had the connection with a KP team, a really awesome KP team, and we were able to bring them onto the deal with us. And they've actually become somewhat of a liaison, I guess you could say, uh, the brains of the deal. And they've introduced us to, to some really amazing things they've been doing in the game for years and years and years. They've got a couple of thousand units. And they introduced us to a new deal structure that we had never thought of before. And it's a perpetuity Deal structure instead of the standard syndication model of the five to 10 year flip. It's like, nope, we're going to buy it, hold on to it forever. So it's definitely an interesting twist. But at the end of the day, if you think about it, most folks that get in the buy and hold game, they get in real estate, the main purpose is passive income. So why sell something if you know that it's going to continue to grow in equity and grow in appreciation, and you're going to be able to continue to depreciate the asset and you're going to continue to get cash flow. Cash flow is going to be higher and higher because you're doing all the debt pay down. Like, I think at the end of the day, that's that's what makes sense. But we just never really thought about it that way because that wasn't the way that like 99 of syndicators are syndicating. So when right. we were introduced to this model, we're like, "Holy cow, this is amazing! We need to do this model and maybe not do this model solely. Still keep all the other tools in our toolbox and tool belt for." when other opportunities arise, but this is something that works perfectly for this deal and we're super excited about it. But basically that was a big roundabout way of saying, we brought on a KP team in order to be able to tackle the 148 units. So the goal eventually is to be able to tackle everything in house with just the three of us business partners. But. And what does KP uh, team stand for? Key principle like key principal, key principal partner. So they handle all the net worth liquidity, a lot of the bank financing things. Uh, they put all the risk capital up for us so we didn't have to put any of that up. We were able to stay as liquid as possible for any new deals, new opportunities that came about, plus deals that we already had. Sure. Um, and so that, that was what we felt was going to be the best option for us in this deal. Plus, honestly, like I was mentioning earlier, we wouldn't have been able to do it had we not brought anyone on. So moving forward... The goal is for just the three of us to continue doing deals, getting to the point where we can. But since we know that we can't right now, we're probably going to be continuing co-GPing or co-sponsoring or partnering with other syndicators or with other partners in order to achieve the goal of a thousand units this year. And then the goal is going to be continue to scale. Yes. But there might be, um, a bit of a slowdown, quote unquote, you could say, as far as we don't want to just do a deal just because it's a huge deal that we got to bring a bunch of people on. We only want to do deals that make sense financially from the baseline kind of underwriting analysis that we've been taking, uh, the underwriting analysis approach that we've been taking on every deal. Uh, We don't want to basically get to the point where we're like, ooh, this 350 unit deal came our way, 350 units, that'll get us to our goal, but not really because... The purpose of the units is the financial piece of it. And so we want to make sure that we're still doing that. So-, so
0: I'm going to interrupt you real quick. What makes it a good financial piece deal? What are you guys looking for? It's not a number count, obviously, right. but the goal is a number count. But in order for you to make that that something that comes across your desk a deal, what are you guys typically looking for? How do you, learn, how do you from the hip, analyze um, a large multifamily deal that would
1: be syndicated? from the hip we're looking for something that's going to return 100 or 200% of member capital in a 5 year time frame so if we're looking at a standard uh 5 year flip what most folks do the 5 to 10 year whole period on a deal then it needs to get get all of my investors capital back and then double it in that same 5 year time frame if it doesn't do that i don't really care to look at it, it doesn't make much sense for us doesn't make much sense to spend all that time, just to not make what we know our time is worth. Basically, so how, in are you,
0: so how are you doing that? Are you typically, I'd imagine you're using leverage for one, and then for two, are you looking for value add opportunities?
1: Mostly value add, yes. Um, and I think value add is one of the most overused words in, <laughs> in real estate in general, but also in, in multifamily and in syndication. But yes, Value add from a perspective of income and expenses, since multifamily is, is valued just a little bit differently, where you actually can directly control the value of it based on NOI. So mm-hmm. if we can increase expenses or decrease, not increase expenses, increase income and decrease expenses, then we can actually increase overall NOI, which is going to increase the actual value of the property times whatever the market cap is. For that specific property, I know that was high level, probably confused some folks, but
0: no, I, I totally follow.
1: That's the basic analysis of of deals there. Um, so to go back to your question, which was, what was your question again?
0: <laughs> um, basically, how are you achieving a two hundred percent? Returned it with the investor in five years on a deal. Basically, the question was: to achieve that, what are you looking for in a deal, and how are you how are you accomplishing it? So, I so had mentioned be- that I would, I figured you guys were using lots of leverage because then right. if the property goes up, you know, fifty percent, and you don't have that whole amount in there, you can multiply returns that way. But also, I would think that you would have to be finding properties. That would allow for a value add. And, and I agree, value add is a, a loosely used term, but essentially, it, you, know, you can add value in a lot of ways to multifamilies. You know, the first and easiest way is to get the thing occupied, right? If it's not fully occupied, get those numbers increased, right? Um, and then, of course, reduce expenses, but you may have to go in and put a bunch of capex into the property to increase the rent. So there's lots of different ways. I'm assuming you're using all these strategies.
1: Yes. Before COVID, we were using a lot of strategies on the income side where it's like, okay, let's add some more amenities. Let's add some Wi-Fi connectivity. Like, let's include that in the rent. Let's throw in some Rhino insurance security deposit options. Let's throw in X and Y and Z and dog parks. And let's throw in all these things and these nice appliances make the interiors nice. And then, from that perspective, from kind of a desirability perspective, as well as overall interior capex, we were able to bring rents to market in that particular area. But after COVID, we took a little more of a conservative approach from the standpoint of okay, you know, whatever market is, we're just going to pretend like, say, it's $700 a month for this one unit. Uh, We're going to pretend like for the next year or two, that's not going to go up at all due to what the heck's going on. We don't know what's happening. We're just going to write, underwrite conservatively and plan for the worst, hope for the best, basically. So we were having to look more heavily on the expense side of things. And we were starting to streamline some property management. We're able to actually eliminate payroll altogether and get a great property management company in that we have used before on some deals and they are all vertically integrated from a lot of different standpoints from construction, from lease, leasing management to asset management, to a whole bunch of different aspects. He has a bunch of different arms. And because of that, he wanted to grow his company. And so we are like, Hey, here's 42 more units. You know, what can you do with that? He's like, well, that definitely helps me grow my company. So I won't charge you any payroll because I actually want to bring on employees myself. And so I'll just pay for all that in-house and charge you one flat Flat rate, So that was something that was able to help us on the expense side. Also able to put in some some rub models, uh, which is basically charging utilities back to tenants. If there's only one water meter for the whole place, instead of us paying for the water, we're just saying, okay, based on the square footage that your unit is and the average of what's used on a monthly basis, here's what your monthly water bill is gonna look like. And we would back charge them on that. Um, we've also been able to cut some, some legal expenses with some attorney connections that we have and cut some construction CapEx, uh, prices from a material standpoint. Since materials continue to go up and up and up, we've actually created a connection with a specific, uh, material provider that's able to give us about a 20 to 30% discount on average, just not and not even from like a bulk perspective, not because we're buying a bulk, but more so just because they have this connection and we made the connection with them. <laughs> so that's really how that's working. There's also water conservation things that you can use. Uh, we've looked into installing fancy water flow, low flow like. Toilet. Oh, you are
0: the king of value add.
1: We've looked into a lot of different. <laughs> you say, things. I
0: don't like this value add term, man. You just named like a hundred things you can do to add value. Josh, I love it, man. I love it. So you're syndicating using social media, mind blown. You guys are are going in and um, what kind of leverage are you typically using? We didn't get to that.
1: All of the financing that we've done to date has been local banks. So we felt that- And are you guys one,
0: getting 80% loans typically or how's that, what's yeah, that look like?
1: From 80%. the local banks, we've been getting 80%. Uh, I love but, it. But here, moving forward, we're looking at seventy-five to eighty percent, just because we're moving into agency debt. At least on this big uh, one hundred and forty-eight unit deal, and we felt that one, it was somewhat of a necessity for us to use local banks on the beginning deals because we didn't have any agency experience. But two, these all
0: recourse loans.
1: Yes, that's the downside of using a local bank. But two. We saw that everything going on with COVID, when you use a local bank, you have no COVID reserve requirements. You have no yeah. maintenance. You have no- Yeah, I got about
0: 50 loans with, with local banks, You know, more more so for individual yeah. single families or small duplexes or whatnot. But uh, yeah, the local banks are, they're really uh, great. I love working with them. There are pros and cons everywhere you look, of course, with, with anything, right? But uh, man, Josh, you are doing awesome, man. Um, so you are syndicating apartment deals, you're using local banks, typically working on 80% loans, and you have built a good relationship base with just a couple of brokers who are who already do all the marketing and know all the people locally and all the owners. And And, and I love the fact that, you know, you guys are looking to make it a lifestyle business. You had named like 50 cool hobbies earlier, too. When we were talking about, you know, letting people uh, have that that one day extra off a week and getting down to you know a, a 30 hour week and having a full extra day off here and there. So you've got the lifestyle business built out. Um, it's only a matter of time before you guys hit those thousand units and uh, and you no longer have to you know have the job turn wrenches. It sounds like you kind of enjoy it at the, at the same time so that's really cool that you're not like in a, a big hurry. Um, but I take my hat off if I had one on I would take my hat off to you Josh. <laughs> Because you're doing great, bro. You are you've literally only been at this for three years and you're only 24 years old, man. You're, you're, you're so young. Um, so by the time you're 30 years old, you're going to be an owner of, you know, multiple thousands of units. And uh, that's going to be really, really cool. It's really cool now, of course. Um, so guys, if you have not heard of Josh or are not already following him, go check him out over on LinkedIn and Facebook, Joshua Ferrari. J-O-S-H-U-A. And I believe Ferrari is spelled like the car, but I don't even yep. know. F-E-R-R-A-R-I. And then also Josh has a website, FerrariCapital.com. And that's, I would assume the name of his business. And um, Josh, you're in Mobile, Alabama, right? Did I, did I get that right?
1: Yep, Mobile.
0: Mobile, Alabama. So if you are listening to this show or you are watching this show, And you have an apartment building that you want to sell or you have some extra capital and you're interested in being an owner of multifamily type units, but you don't want to deal with the buying or the managing, connect with Josh. That's what he does. And you can do so either on those two socials, LinkedIn or Facebook, or by by going directly to his website at FerrariCapital.com. What markets are you in right now? Is it basically just, you know, a 50 or 100 mile radius around Mobile or how are you guys selecting markets?
1: So roughly, uh, I live in Mobile. One of my partners lives in Gulf Shores, which is basically the east side of the bay, uh, somewhat connected to Mobile. And then our third partner lives in Destin, Florida. So we cover from Panama City Beach all the way west into south or southern Alabama, but we haven't done any deals in Florida yet just because we haven't found anything that makes sense financially. So Network. most of the deals we've done have been in Southern Alabama. And one of the deals that we have on a contract now is actually in Montgomery, Alabama. So we've begun branching out into some of the more Northern MSAs of Alabama, as well as considering to move a little further West into Mississippi and Louisiana.
0: Nice. I love it, man. You Not only do you have really awesome goals, but you guys have a really good plan. And I'm going to be honest, I interview a lot of people and a lot of people have these awesome goals, but they don't really have the greatest of plans. You have both of those, Josh. So again, if I had a hat on, I would take my hat off to you, sir. Um, It's been an honor getting a chance to, to connect with you and interview you and learn about your business. And I'm truly grateful to have you on the show and to get some of your time today. What parting words would you give the audience, the listeners, the viewers, you know, if they are looking to get into multifamily acquisition with the funding strategy of
1: um, syndication? They're looking to jump in. I'd say first you need to know what you're talking about. So I think education is going to play a big role. But then the caveat there is that you can't just educate yourself for years and years and years, you have to eventually take the leap of faith. And I think the leap of faith is going to come one with that baseline level of knowledge and experience from the education side, but two from actually getting out there to some of these local meetups or virtual meetups because of COVID or Mm -hmm. masterminds or big courses or big conferences and just, or just social media, just getting out there and meeting other people that are doing what it is that you want to do and trying to create a seriously genuine connection with that person. Don't just attack it from what value can I add to you? You know, I'm, yeah, I so just want
0: long lasting, genuine right. relationships. And it sounds yeah. like you're doing that with your investors. You're doing that with your brokers and you're also doing that with your partners. I mean, that's something that we constantly need to be doing to work on and building. I love it. Josh, great answer. And again, thank you so much for coming on. Guys, go follow Josh. LinkedIn and Facebook, Joshua Ferrari. And you can check him out directly on his website over at ferraricapital.com. I love it. Josh, thanks again for coming on. Signing off, guys. Until next time, see you then. Thanks for listening to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and subscribe to help us reach a wider audience. To jumpstart your real estate investing career, visit freewholesalecourse.com, the most complete free course on wholesaling real estate ever. We would also appreciate it if you left us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Thank you in advance for your support. And remember, you make your money when you buy, you get paid when you sell. Now let's go build some wealth.